The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the season premiere of Picard Season 3 called, confusingly, The Next Generation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. You can retweet us on Twitter at SQPN, and we love to get your comments. Leave comments wherever you'll find us, and uh, we've got some great listener feedback at the end of this episode on some of our previous episodes, and we want your feedback on this one as well. I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy because it features the three of us, The Secrets of Doctor Who. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in this episode? This week, Captain Picard gets a coded message from a wounded Beverly Crusher who nobody has seen in 20 years since she suddenly cut herself off from all her friends. She says, do not involve Starfleet and trust no one. To figure out what happened, Picard enlists Captain Riker, who is apparently having family troubles. They figure out that Beverly is in a system just outside Federation space, and they decide to con their way into getting a trip there by pulling a surprise inspection on Riker's old ship, the Titan. However, the new master of the Titan is Captain Unsympathetic, and he immediately (laughs) insults them in multiple ways. Since they can't convince Captain Passive-Aggressive to go along with the plan, his His first officer, Seven of Nine, breaks orders and apparently ruins her career by diverting the ship anyway. When they arrive, Picard and Riker take a shuttle to Beverly's ship. There they discover evidence of a gun battle. They find Beverly in a critical condition in a medical stasis pod, and since it's been painfully obvious that the reason she cut herself off from all of her friends 20 years ago was because she had a son, probably with Picard as the father, they finally meet her son, Jack Crusher. He explains that he and his mother are being hunted, and a big scary spaceship shows up on cue to menace them. Meanwhile, in a completely different TV series, Rafi Musiker has apparently fallen off the wagon and is taking drugs again, but it's all a ruse. She's actually a deep cover intelligence officer. She has a super secretive handler who refuses to meet with her, and she's investigating a possible terrorist plot. She realizes that the target of the terrorist plot is a Starfleet recruiting center, but she arrives too late. A portal opens up under the recruiting center, and it collapses into the portal. Its debris then rain down from the other end of the portal in the sky over the city. The end. I just want to kind of start by saying, I really like this. (laughs) Did you? This is much better. Much better than season one and two. I... We're back in space. It's Star Trek <laughs> to start. Well, and Picard isn't moody, moody and brooding, and you know, right? It, it's he's actually energetic and mm-hmm. you know wants to go on an adventure, and yep. it's fun. This was actually fun. He's he is, if I can make uh, use the word, engaged in what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, I really like it. And I felt like the chemistry with him and Riker was really good. 
I was, you know, I was, I, I really enjoyed that. I felt like the two actors kind of, you know, went right back to where they were in the, in the series. I, I, I'm enjoying that aspect, especially. And um, mm-hmm. there's elements that, that aren't great so far. I mean, we're first episode, but um, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, as in, I mean, I was looking forward to both the previous seasons, but this one gives me new hope of, of what we're going to come come and see this season. So, so I acknowledge all those points. It is better in all those ways, and I'm also optimistic about the series. You know, this season of Picard, season three. Um, at the same time, I think that they made a mistake in releasing this episode by itself. Um, Mm. they apparently wrote this series as if it's a 10 hour movie and, and that means that it's really meant to be viewed as one long piece of long form Mm -hmm. entertainment and releasing it in weekly chunks is therefore a problem, right? Because the, since they have 10 episodes to, to, play this story out that means they're not trying to format this for episodic weekly television where you tell a complete story in each episode and you have the standard you know curve of of rising action crisis and denouement and we didn't have that in this mm-hmm. episode this very much feels like the beginning of something And they also, because they have 10 hours to tell the story, they're taking their time. And this episode, to me, felt slow. Um, It felt slow. It felt like there was not a big resolution. In fact, the way I recounted it, I pulled out the Rafi material and made it its own little appendix at the end. That creates a better a better cliffhanger than what the episode did Mm -hmm. the episode the actual final shot of the episode is just the big scary ship showing up and it's there's it's not a particularly effective cliffhanger so i i thought that they at least should have released the first two episodes next episode will presumably be about getting the band back together since in this episode we really only have picard and Riker together at right. the end, and well, I guess you, you got Beverly there too, but she's inactive. But we need to get you know the others back involved, and presumably that's going to be some of the plot development next episode. But um, but this just felt slow to me because at least released on its own. Sure. If right. they had released the first two episodes, at least now ideally, if it's a ten-hour movie, they should release the whole thing and let us binge watch it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't do that. But at least they should have given us the first two episodes so we would have more plot development than what we got this time. Yeah, yeah. You know that this seems to be a problem in a lot of current shows right now, like the way they're like, especially when they're being mm-hmm. released one by one as opposed to the Netflix drop them all at once. Um, I was watching like Carnival Row on, on Amazon prime. It has the same problem. The first episode yeah. stand, they, they actually released the first two episodes. The first episode alone is not enough. It's like, okay, so not much has happened here. What's going on. Uh, give me yeah. a little more. And I, I, I could, I could see that, that there was, it didn't seem to go far enough to really get us into the story to really engage, 
think. Sorry, I keep using that word. I'm gonna. I'm don't stuck in my head. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna, You're a dad. You got to do the dad jokes. That's right. It's, it's not enough room to get us engaged in the storyline. Yeah. yeah. And but. engaged in viewer engagement is a, it's a standard term. Yeah. Do not get tripped up by the fact <laughs> it's also a term on Star Trek. I know. I know. Uh, specifically a Picard. <laughs> but uh. Yep. Well, it, and it, I mean, obviously, it was the the first act of a, a longer movie, you know, and yeah. and, and they, they played on that, um, the, you know, the, the scene in Space Dock where that was clearly taken out of the TOS oh, movies. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and things like that. That that's an example of of them taking their time and being slow. I wrote in my notes. Uh, where is it? Um when they do the 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 Titan emerging from the orbital space station, it's like seen this, <laughs> right. you know. It's like I've seen this before. Don't need to see it again. Well, that's but that's it's kind of become a trope, for lack of better words, uh, for for Star Trek from Teal from the TN yeah, the the original motion picture. Right, you know, Enterprise had it. All these other episodes, all these other shows and movies have had that that scene. And so, you know, and I don't think I guess my opinion is and I understand where you're coming from, Jimmy, but mm -hmm. I don't think the fact that it was slow was that bad. Hmm. It set up what needed to be set up in the first episode. I think it did a good job of that. Unless it's not and, all slow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and, and of course, as we go forward. The Raffi's story is going to obviously play in because. We've got the massive destruction of an entire building of Starfleet being, rain, as you said, rained down on a, a, a city. And that was kind of a cool. I like the, the portal where it actually looked like the, the video portal game. game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the video game portal. And you even saw the little statue falling out of it. Right. But those are obviously those two plot threads. What Beverly's involved in and this terrorist attack are going to come together. They're, They're going to be by the same person or, you know, sure. something along that line. So I, I, I think it was. Uh, a decent first episode. No, it wasn't the best first episode they've ever had in Star Trek, but yeah. it was it was it was a decent first episode. It's set up. OK, here's the two major threads that we're going to have to deal with this season. How are they going to come together? And it had lots of eye candy, too. You know, we were Dom and I were talking off a lot, you know, long before about, you know, being ship geeks. And there's lots of ship geek eye candy in this one. <laughs> yeah. On the Discord, there was a lot of ship geek, ship geek talk on the Discord. So <laughs> if you want to talk about the ships, come to the Discord server. Uh, so two things I want to point out in a sort of a structural sense that I really enjoyed. Not structural, but production sense. The, the lack of a opening, long opening sequence. Uh, mm -hmm. New Trek has had this thing where we've had these long opening sequences and even old Trek had it too. I know. Uh, but this got us right into the story right away. I like that. Mm -hmm. One thing I didn't like is how dark everything is. <laughs> yeah. this, but this is modern TV too. another modern TV problem is how dark all the interior shots are on the ships. Uh, and it's like, I can't, I can't see what's going on. Like who's, who's in the mm -hmm. back there? I mean, is it my old eyes? I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't, I uh, yeah I I'm sensitive to the darkness issue although I wouldn't light it the way the next gen was lit because no. No. the next gen was just blazingly brilliantly lit it looked like they were in constantly it looked like they were in a space hotel <laughs> yes because they were <laughs> I mean, even Discovery's bridge is was better lit you know than than mm -hmm. this so I mean they, they could than the Titans bridge so they could have lightened things up a little bit yeah 
I mean, there's an excuse for Beverly's ship because they mentioned that it's at half power. So you can understand that things like light lighting would be down at lowest levels, things like that. Yeah. Maybe uh, Captain Shaw was, has bad eyes or something. He's from the belt alternate dimension. Maybe he's from the mirror universe. <laughs> um, yeah. So we open up with this this long uh, and, and maybe too long tracking shot through Beverly's ship where we see all her mementos and she's listening to the mixtape that Picard made for her that has the, I don't want to set the world on fire playing Um, Mm -hmm. for a second. There I was thinking, wait, did I watch, is this the opening to the first season of Picard? Did I I mix up which, when I told it to play? Cause it reminded me a lot of that first episode where Picard is having the dream about data. Um, So that was kind of interesting. But uh, we see a lot of her mementos from her time on the Enterprise. And then the ship is attacked and boarded by these interesting aliens. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I noticed right away. They're wearing wearing face masks. And so we can't tell what they really are. Right. And they're speaking another language. Um, and she's shooting to kill. She's disintegrating, like with oh, yeah. extreme she, prejudice. <laughs> she she vaporizes one of them, and then the other who is wounded on the floor. She then vaporizes him, even though yeah. he's down. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty pretty. And wild. she's got phaser shotguns. Forget phaser rifles. You got phaser <laughs> shotguns now. <laughs> Those are pretty pretty wild. Um, and she had locked. Who we later find out is Jack Crusher Junior or whatever in mm-hmm. another cabin. When as soon as they were boarded, like so she's protecting him. Yeah. And it that's part of what it's just obvious from the beginning who this guy is, because he's if you're thinking about it, because here's this unnamed crewman all alone with her. He's yelling about them being boarded. And then he's saying, I can help. I can help. And she locks him away. Why would you lock away an ordinary crew member? Right. You know, that doesn't make any sense. And then, oh, she cut herself off suddenly 20 years ago from all of her friends. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, pretty good idea who that guy is now. I'm kind of hoping it's not Picard's son, because Mm -hmm. even though he's got a British accent, which he apparently genetically inherited from Picard. Mm -hmm. um, But because we kind of did that in Nemesis, right? I mean, he wasn't his son. He was spoilers, his clone. Right. Nevertheless, it kind of feels like we'd be going back to that. And I don't really want to well, do that. Ex- except, well, okay, so I acknowledge your preference. At the same time, they they broadly hinted oh, yeah. that about Picard and uh, Beverly, you know, having a flame. And they never paid that off in Next Gen, in seven seasons of Next Gen. And so this would be a way to pay that off. No, I, I see it. I just, I kind of hope they're misdirecting us and doing something more interesting, but yeah. you know, it's probably what you said, Jimmy, it's probably exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. you know, um, well, and they did mention that they tried to have an, a relationship and it didn't work, but yeah. Interesting that if it is Picard's son, they, she named him after her first husband, not after yeah. his father. That mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a little bit of psychological stuff going on there, I guess. <laughs> okay. So here's an alternative that would be interesting suppose that she discovered that um that uh her original husband had left the necessary genetic matter for her to have a new child and she decided after next gen to pursue that option and so jack crusher junior is the son of jack crusher and and Beverly Crusher. And that's part of why she wanted to cut herself off from her friends, because she she's having her dead husband's son 
Right. And that also would explain why he's named Jack Crusher, because he is his father's son. My guess is to it has something to he's one of the reasons why they're being pursued. Mm-hmm. Um, that mm. that's so Could that be, must right. figure in somehow. Yeah, too. that would also explain why she'd want to super protect him, even though reducing the number of hands you have on a phaser in a battle is not a good strategic move. Yeah. Right. There, there is um, when you on the closing sequence. Closing sequence is this beautiful oh, yeah. shot of the, these panels showing all kinds of information. A lot of Easter and eggs. A lot of them. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Easter eggs. But a lot of them too are things like DNA sequences, brain, mat, you know, different brain scans and things like that. Yep. So that that I mean that could be kind of pointing out that yeah, this is a basically he could even be a genetic clone of Jack. Jack. Right. Going mm-hmm. back to the clones. Uh, yeah. Also, also, um, the, um, there's apparently someone from Star Trek history, presumably next gen, that they have not talked about who's going to be revealed, Mm. um, that they, it's not one of the regular main crew, you know, who they've Mm -hmm. all advertised are going to be back. It's someone else who has not yet been advertised that's going to be coming back. And my guess is that's who Rafi's handler is. Right. So Mm -hmm. not Lore, not um, uh, Moriarty, but someone else in addition. Right. Also, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that Brent Spiner is Lore in this. Oh, Um, we have in one of the previews, Brent Spiner shows up and Jordy says Lore but um, I've also seen people say that he is playing a Soong type android, and that could suggest that he's not Lore. He's okay. he's before, or because we've had robberies from the Daystrom Institute. Yep. So maybe they took before, and or maybe they came up with another. Um, Sung type android. So I'm not, I think that may be how they get Brent Spiner back into the plot as a good guy fighting with the gang. Okay. Is he's another, he's another Sung type android like data, but not data. So for this story, <laughs> there's, um, <laughs> she's injured. Beverly's injured, sends a message. Well, um, she gets shot. Yes. Right. And, um, then we cut to Picard with uh, Laris and uh, oh, wait, 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 let, let, oh. before we go there. Yep. She sends Picard this coded message. Right. And the code is ridiculously stupid. <laughs> OK, be- because she sends this to his 30 four- year old com badge, yep. Yep. which he just happens to have within earshot in a suitcase. We, and that's if, like, wait a minute. If you're sending someone a coded message on a 40 year old piece of communications technology or 30 year old piece of communications mm-hmm. technology, that's extremely risky. They are not likely to have a I don't have a 30 year old cell phone within within earshot in a suitcase. Um, that's right there. You mm-hmm. just prob prob odds are if this is wasn't. If it wasn't for TV magic, you just doomed your chance of this message mm-hmm. ever getting through. Yeah. Um, Fair. Yeah. Then she she so she's got it encoded with this with this word that we've never heard before. And she's counting on him to be able to guess this obscure word for the codec that's used. Mm-hmm. 
as a password. And that is another enormous risk out of all the words. He's going to figure out the password is the name of the codec you use to encode it. Really? Um, that's that's very he doesn't even know what it, that's all very improbable. And it's a ridiculously poor password to begin with. If if it's just the name of the codec you use to encode it, um, that's like having the the password on your iMac be iMac. Mm-hmm. Um, then so so it's it's so it's bad on that front. Then once he decodes the message, she she stresses this word Hellbird to him. She says, says I'm sending you coordinates and he looks at the coordinates and says there's nothing there. But she also said this mysterious word Hellbird. And that's a reference Riker tells him to a virus that we never heard about that the Borg used on the Enterprise when he was Locutus. So this is knowledge Picard doesn't even have. And and what Helberg did was like added three to every bit of numerical data that it affected. And so what we've got to do is take the coordinates that she sent and add three to every one of them and we'll get the real coordinates. Okay, that... Now you're asking Picard to implement a, a a second code that of whose existence he does not know anything. So she is just triply doomed her message from ever getting through except for unbelievable TV coincidence. Okay, so presumably she would rather this not get, get through at all than to be intercepted and decoded by somebody. So... She's made a desperate Hail Mary. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not just an old cell phone. It's his comm badge from when he was the captain of the Enterprise. And it's likely to be, have it on his mantelpiece with his awards. Really? It's a phone. I don't have a 30-year-old. I don't have my first uh, well, cell phone for sentimental value on my mantelpiece. Well, but it's his, it's his part of his uniform. And any military man is going to have the his awards. His awards, his awards but yeah. not his phone. We've seen it's more. They're more than phones. Yeah, we've seen we've seen previously in other stories, uh, Star Trek stories, where people have kept their old com badges. We had them in um, in uh, the first two seasons of Picard, in fact. So, I I mean, yes, it's a Hail Mary, but I don't know if it's like it's I I wouldn't equate it to just like an old phone. I think it's a little more than that. Um, Mm. I, I think it's I think Bev's I think I think Bev's. Code Gambit is ridiculously stupid and is constructed the way it is just in order to give people something to do in figuring it out, especially Riker. I, I hear I hear what you're saying, but I think you're overthinking it just a bit much. First of all, the, the password issue, this isn't just a password. It's going to. You know, she's they've got the capability for voice recognition. Mm. And yes, you'd have to have someone impersonate Picard's voice. And that could happen. We, we know that again. That's something that's actually available today is we can use AI to create right. a voice sample yep. of, of him. I played with it. It's kind of fun, actually. But um, but you've got you've got the, you'll have the 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 bio, to biometric self, Father issue Corey stuff. has been experimenting with deep fake technology. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have chat AI and no. Um, so it, it's I, I think, yeah, the, the whole issue of. Of this, uh, like the Hellbird. Okay, she's obviously saying, "Okay, go. You need to go talk to." She knew he was going to go to Riker. You know, she, she should have so at least mentioned Riker. 
She should have said, go to Riker and tell him Hellbird. Okay, then that objection would vanish. Well, she's also injured and having to be put into a bio. bio So anyways, like I said, I think this is this is overthinking something that really I don't want to spend doesn't need to be 10 minutes on this either. <laughs> like there's a whole lot more to talk about. So, uh, and, and I, I get it. It is an, it is an extremely unlikely set of circumstances to get this through. And I agree with that. Um, so we do get a bit of information where people are. We get that Jordy is running the Starfleet museum. Uh, Picard is packing up mementos again, back to mementos, which is interesting. Packing up mementos at his chateau uh, to send to a museum um, he and Laris are talking about they're going on a trip and, and they're a thing. They're still a thing, which yes. is good. Yep. 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 Um, and you, Laris, you know, they're talking about why are you getting rid of your mementos? And Picard says, like, I'm not a man who needs a legacy. I need a new adventure. And that's really, I mean, that's really a line is put there to tell us this is going to be an adventure. This isn't about Picard looking back like last season was. This is about Picard looking forward. This, this, this season of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to note, speaking of the combat, uh, that in the future, Alec- future, Alexa and Siri are still terrible at finding things. Yeah. Because <laughs> when his combat is, uh, is chirping, and he's like, where is it? It's in the room. Like, <laughs> thanks. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. I hear yeah. it, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And that's particularly implausible because given the sound sensors they should have in that room, she should be able to triangulate and say it's five feet to your left or whatever. Right, right. Um, it, I mean, again, that's what my my phone can do that right now with uh, air tags. Um, mm-hmm. yep. they do deal with the romance issue of with Beverly and between Beverly and Picard right up front, right there. Laris mm-hmm. asks him, you know, there was something between you, and he he tells us, yeah, we had something, it fizzled out, didn't go anywhere, um, and we moved on. Um, so so they really they they really wanted to put a pin in that right now. Um, so Laris tells him, all right, obviously you've got to go do this. Um, I'm off to my Tal Shiar thing <laughs> that she's doing, or no, security it was like consultant. defensive security, right, yeah. right, right, security consultant thing. There's a great bar at Chow Talk Four where you can see the sunset. I'll save you a seat. Uh, that you know, Chekhov's sunset scene. Yeah, that will be it. That'll be the last end of episode ten. Yes, the end of episode yep. ten. Um, so then we cut to Riker at Guinan's Bar, Ten Forward in mm-hmm. Los Angeles for Frontier Day. What is for? Is this this isn't the remark marking the first contact day, right? This is something different. It's apparently now they've never referred to it by that name before, so uh-huh. far as I can tell. But apparently, it, at least according to Memory Alpha, it's the same thing as Federation Day, the founding of the Federation. But I don't know if uh, presumably they'll explain it to us more, but at least that's what Memory right. Alpha says right now. Oh, yeah. Now, right now, I just checked. It says it's the day that. Starfleet was founded. So presumably Starfleet was a different day than the Federation. Just that like, could be. Yeah. You know, the U S Navy is a different day than the United States, that sort of thing. So, okay. So yeah. they're celebrating the uh, Starfleet. And this is, this is a week before frontier day, right? This isn't the day of, so now we know the time span in which things are going to take place in this season two, a week. Uh, Riker tells Picard he's having family troubles, which is interesting. Does that, but we do know that Troy mm-hmm. is in this season, so that's presumably yeah. going to be uh, some interpersonal elements going on. And, and, and I the, hope they don't play that too far. I really don't want to see them play that too far. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the apparent, and, and they, they mention it very obliquely 
uh, you know, Picard says to Riker, I'm sorry to take you away from Deanna and Kestra or whatever their daughter's name is. And all Riker says is actually they'd be glad to have some time away from me. Right. And that's that's all we know. But it does suggest their family problems. There is a nice moment where uh, before Picard shows up, where Riker's talking to the um, bartender mm-hmm. and says, oh, I, I see you're selling the guy selling mementos now. Why are there so many Enterprise D's? And so the bartender says, oh, nobody wants the fat ones. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Rucker gets offended. Yeah, Um, and then because you know does the old man thing really well, Um, and then we have this um, discussion of Hellbird, this code, and so they figure out Beverly's coordinates, and then that's when we switch over to Rafi, and they do this um, little bit of misdirection where we're meant to think that Rafi is on this planet Metalis. Huh, I wonder yep. where they get the name for that. The executive producer for this season is Terry Metalis. So, yeah. And that actually, and well, that actually dates back to Enterprise when he was a writer and worked with the showrunner there, Brand, mm-hmm. Brandon Braga. Oh, and so that's where that name came from is apparently the NX01 Enterprise had visited this planet at one point. Oh, cool, cool. So Terry Metalis has gone on to have a really big career, actually, and he did the series 12 yeah. Monkeys and stuff. Um, so, She's shaking down this Orion drug dealer, pretending to have reverted uh, to being a junkie. And then we we get it cleared up that um, she's sorry if I use an appropriate word, but a drug user. Um, But um, she's reverted. So we're supposed to think that she's reverted. But what we do find out is that she's actually an undercover Starfleet intelligence. And like you mentioned, she's got this, she's got La Serena. She's got the ship, uh, Rios' mm-hmm. old ship. And she's got this mysterious handler who won't, who won't identify himself, won't appear, won't even use his real voice, goes through the computer. And it's kind female of, voice, female voice on the computer. Yes. Right. Um, and it's kind of interesting because if this is a legitimate Starfleet intelligence operation, you would think there would be more than just, you know, you'd actually know who you were working for when you got your mm. orders. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of suspicious, uh, as we mentioned. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't really go like the whole Rafi thing like this. And then her figuring out, you know, what the, the target the one, is. The one bit of information she's able to get, which is a ridiculously small bit. I mean, she tells us that there's been something stolen from an off-site facility owned by the Daystrom Institute that can be used as a weapon. And that's apparently the portal right. that we see, mm-hmm. um, whatever technology generates that portal. But she is is trying to find out who has it. And the one bit of information, which is ridiculously small, that she gets from the Orion drug pusher, I hope, I hope, it's not offensive to drug pushers to use that term (laughs) Um, is that he's heard that something's going on with the red lady. And she initially assumes the red lady is either the purchaser or the seller of the weapon, but later figures out it's a term connected with the target. And apparently Mm. Google search results are not any better in the 25th century than they are now. (laughs) Right. Um, but she eventually identifies the Red Lady as a statue of Captain What's-Her-Name, who was the captain of the Enterprise C. Rachel C. Garrett. Yeah. Rachel Garrett. Yeah. Yep. Um, that's out in front of Starfleet Recruiting Headquarters in Sector 7 on Planet Metallus. And so she goes there, and it was really nice to see the Rachel Garrett statue. Yeah. Um, yep. To see her getting honored. But... Um, 
she's too late and the building gets destroyed. Right. It was the statue was due to be dedicated on Frontier Day. Right. And so yeah. mm-hmm. she was the one who's the, the Enterprise C was sacrificed in Avenger 3 that brought the Klingons and the Federation into an alliance. So, uh, right. That, if people remember that one, um, maybe yep. Yar, maybe Tasha Yar is going to be. Well, except there was loads of speculation that Tasha Yar was going to be or um, her Did daughter, Sila, C- 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 who I never liked. Yeah, I liked Ta- no. what they did with Tasha Yar. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but then her Romulan daughter, who is her identical self with blonde Romulan hair. Eh, I didn't like that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But um, there was lots of speculation that that Denise Crosby would be back as Sila in this season. And they apparently denied that pretty heavily. Okay. Okay. Um, but if it was Tasha yeah. Yar, that would be, I would like that. And as far as yeah. I know, they haven't denied that. Yeah. It would I wonder be, how they would do it though. It'd be fun, but yeah. Um, so that, that's pretty much Rafi's story in this episode. Um, so Riker and Picard need a ship. And they don't want to charter a ship. They need to get to this planet Wrighton. That's where Beverly or the system called Wrighton, where Beverly's coordinates lead to. And um, so Riker comes up the, with the idea of basically getting the Titan, his old ship, to take them to where they want to go. And his ruse is a surprise inspection. He comes up with this ruse or plan, as he says. This is really um, implausible it, because... If 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 someone has a surprise inspection on your ship, presumably, I mean, y- you can't just based on rank, especially if you don't have an active yeah. assignment. Yeah. Show yeah. up and commandeer someone's ship without orders. Right. Presumably they've they would need a, a, a file that says, here's my authorization to conduct this inspection. Right. And to take right. the ship out and go to a place. Yeah. Precisely to prevent this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially since Picard we Picard is a retired admiral, as it gets pointed out in this. Yeah. And the captain of a ship outranks a rank captain. So if they're both the same rank, yeah. The captain of the ship outranks the other captain. Even yeah, even though Riker's got more time in, in service, it doesn't matter. He's not yep. the captain of the ship. Hmm. So um, I do like on the shuttlecraft as they're approaching the Titan, uh, Riker, Picard doesn't like this plan. And Riker goes, come on, give me one of those rigid, sour expressions you're famous for. <laughs> and then he kind of looks at me and he goes, there you go. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> really good. Uh, th- this is the Titan refit as what's called a Neo Constitution class, which uh, mm-hmm. Ship Geek moment. Really enjoyed it. Really like this. It's it's a nice mm-hmm. callback to the uh, seventeen CC seventeen oh one A Enterprise. Uh, I really like that one. Yep. Um. So, really nice looking. Um. And we find out that Seven is the executive officer, except uh, the Captain Shaw prefers she go by Annika Hansen. And we find out that yeah, he's which, which of- is which is an interesting. And not unreasonable choice. Yep. Um, right. I mean, if if the Borg are a mortal enemy, yeah, I don't know that I would want my first officer using a Borg designation with the crew. Um, right. And it 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 also it's like if you're really a human and loyal to us now, how about yep. using your human mm-hmm. name? So I want to say something about Shaw right here, which is as you mentioned, mm-hmm. he, he is rude, boorish, ill mannered uptight and completely right. 
and and passive yes. aggressive and passive aggressive and passive aggressive and completely right yep. in everything in everything he says here uh, and in fact because Picard and Riker are trying to undermine him and steal his ship essentially I mean yeah. he's he's not wrong about anything he says to them in in the course of this abbreviated dinner um and so it's kind of it's kind of funny to see like you're supposed to be like he's he's the enemy of our heroes but yet he's right <laughs> And so mm-hmm. it creates yeah. this internal conflict. And he's he's so they try to write him in a way that is slightly sympathetic, um, but at the same time, make him very unsympathetic. I mean, he yeah. like within the first 20 seconds, he's insulted Picard and Riker three different ways. I mean, I counted. Right. And yeah. and um, they're all very subtle, passive aggressive insults, but they're insults. Mm-hmm. And um, so he comes across as 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 our, you know, he's our he, he comes across as a paint by numbers bad guy, you know, and mm-hmm. so we're meant to not like him. I mean, not a villain, but, you know, he's an obstacle to our protagonists. And um, apparently he he he's going to play a larger role in the in the 10 episodes and come across differently as they move forward. Mm, So I'm glad to see that he's not just going to stay in this kind of paint by numbers, passive aggressive, unsympathetic mode. Um, He's going to have a larger role and redeem himself as a character. So I like that. I mean, he's a lot like Captain Styles, the Excelsior in uh, yeah. the search for Spock, and oh, like yeah. what a the loser. other the other captain yeah. from uh, the Enterprise B in uh, mm-hmm. Generations. So you know, he, there's a tradition of these kind of uh, captains out there. Well, the, the, the captain of the B wasn't he wasn't a jerk. Wasn't bad. He, he wasn't a jerk. He was just bad. caught off guard. Really, <laughs> he was a bad captain. Quickly, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, so, I mean, I, I yeah. saw I, I saw a little bit of Je- Jellico in him too, though, because oh, Jellico yeah. was very much by the book, yeah. straightforward. Things need to be lined up, and Jellico was not a bad captain. He no. wasn't a bad person. He's just by the book. Yeah. This guy was just more of a jerk, you know, sitting there already eating by the time they oh, yeah. got into the the ha- the hall there, the observation yeah. place. And Jellico was not passive aggressive. He was. He was just very matter of fact and a little bit aggressive, yep. but he he was a good captain, actually. And he was right. Again, he was mm-hmm. right, just as this guy was. He disdains Picard's gift of wine, <laughs> which, you know, the Chateau Picard. Oh, I prefer. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one was he? Um, Riojas. Uh, Melbeck. Melbeck. That's right. And then uh, then then this this is Riker's love of jazz as disordered. And he prefers his music to be more you know ordered and, uh, you know. Classical music. I found this particularly grating. Um, As and it may be because partly because of how I was raised, but being from the South, a premium is put on politeness, especially in social situations. And when you are the host of a dinner and you have invited people to the dinner, Mm -hmm. you do not insult them in this low-level needling way. Right. Right. Could you imagine, Father Corey, if the former pastor of your parish showed up at and you started dinner without him and just you told him, oh, I got rid of all that, all that stupid mu- music that you left behind. And <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it, it, and yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that. I mean, just the idea that he invited them to the dinner. He didn't have to invite them to a dinner. Yeah. You know, he didn't come to meet them, which itself was kind of an insult. Right. But then, you know, he didn't have to invite them to a dinner either. 
you know, and, and no, I, I could never imagine that, you know, even, and there, there are some former pastors that I know in this diocese of this parish that were in this parish that I might not be the happiest to see them, but I'm at least going to be courteous. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, if one of the former pastors showed up for a mass or whatever, I invite them to, would you like to celebrate? Would you, you know, right. Would you like to do the reading of the gospel? Whatever. You know, I, I would at least be courteous to them. I wouldn't sit there and go, oh yeah. Yeah. When you did this, you know, the issues with the money that you left for me to clean up, we're not going to do that or whatever it might be. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. It, this really give, I mean, as you point out, he didn't greet them. He let his first officer do that. And she gave them an excuse of he's got paperwork he's doing. Yep. Uh, he's catching up on some logs. I don't know what that means, but okay. That's... He's doing paperwork. And, um, and then, but you're invited to this dinner and it's like, Okay, this is a classic humiliation setup. This is a humiliation mm -hmm. dinner. I'm going to make right. you wait for me. Then when you show up, I'm already eating. Yeah. And then I'm going to insult you several ways verbally once you get there. This is this is just a classic put these guys in their place situation. Power moves is is what is maybe called too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By by the way, that that steak that he was eating looked disgusting too. I don't know what that was supposed to be, but that was that was yuck. Oh, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. He's he's eating a green steak. It looks like it's made out of spirulina or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. Um maybe it's a delicacy. So, um <laughs> they and then to add insult to injury, they get they there's no proper accommodations for them. They get stuck in a bunk bed. <laughs> yeah, the, which is, that which funny. is funny. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um and then they what was it? They had proposed going to Wrighton and get shot down right away by Shaw. It's like, nope, not going. That's not in our orders and not going to happen. And then Seven calls them to the bridge in the middle of the night and kind of reads them the riot act a little bit like, I don't know what you're doing here. Obviously, it's not for a surprise inspection. Well, it's not on the bridge. It It's it, the it, observation lounge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. But and so this is also in my notes. Seven's stupid gambit. Because she has, without telling anyone, without telling Captain Shaw and without telling uh, either Riker or Picard on her own initiative, without being asked to, she has diverted the ship to these other coordinates. And mm -hmm. exactly how she knew the coordinates, I guess I guess she heard right in system and knew the coordinates from that. But yeah. But th this is a really dumb move for an mm -hmm. officer. Um, she is ruining her career, yeah. you know, based on real world logic. And yeah. and she's ruining her career without even checking with Picard and Riker about what are the stakes. I mean, she may be able to yeah. guess that they have some special reason for wanting to go there, but she didn't know that. They 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 may just have picked it randomly and she's right, yep. ruining her career, taking them to a system they may have just picked randomly for an inspection reason. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She says, like, I, you know, I preferred being in the Fenris Rangers until I let you and Admiral Janeway convince me to be Starfleet, et cetera. And maybe she just wanted to torpedo her career and get out of it or whatever maybe i don't know but yeah it does seem weird that she didn't at least find out are they just going on a joyride to mm -hmm. writing like yeah. you know that sort of that's thing. how they presented it to captain shaw mm -hmm. yeah uh, meanwhile we should mention that we have another character that we get introduced to um jordy's daughter uh sydney 
She's she the, is hot. <laughs> she's the she's the helmsman. I like uh, her. Yeah, she she was fun. Well, I love I love Picard's. Like, is there something wrong with that ensign? Because she's grinning like a jackal, you know. <laughs> yeah, because she because she'd met him before when she was a kid. So she's like, "Hey, remember me?" And he's like, "I don't remember you." Yeah, what's wrong with her? Um, and then reminds her. Right, I think Riker reminds her everyone of mm-hmm. her uh, nickname at the Academy, Crash LaForge, which is. <laughs> She, she crashed the shuttle twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> and, she's, and she kind of goes, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so they get to the writing system. Um, she They they sneak Picard and uh, and Riker off on a shuttle to get to Beverly's ship um, and apparently disable the tractor beams and the transporters. Who knows? Um, but, you know, they, they don't do either of those. I'm kind of curious. What happens to the Titan at this point? Because is it still sitting it's still there? there? It's still there. It's still there. Okay. Um, so Captain Captain Unsympathetic came up to the bridge when he found out what was going. When he woke up and saw there's a nebula outside. Yep. And he he came up and demanded to know where they were. And Seven told him we're in the writing system. And he says, "Okay, you just torpedoed your career, and now you're going to write me a full report about why." Right. And yep. and I would love to read that report. It's going to be like, well, I knew these guys and they expressed a preference to go there. And even though they could have picked it randomly and it was just a <laughs> test, like they were saying, I decided to divert us here anyway. <laughs> yeah. Although, uh, yeah. I mean, so he's going to he, maybe I'm, the I'm, su- I'm surprised that and father, maybe you can comment to this. But if if the XO of a ship. Ha, comes in and changes the course dramatically from the course the captain has set. Isn't there a protocol to notify the captain or make I sure that this is coming from the captain or something? I can't speak for Navy, but I know that essentially you're obligated to follow all orders unless they're inherently unlawful. You know, unless right. you can tell, you know, like if, if, if the exo comes in to the bridge, hands, you know, one officer a gun and says, shoot this officer, then obviously the answer is no. Right. But if the X it's it's I could imagine that in the Navy that there are times when the XO is you know, the captain tells the XO, go go to the bridge and set these new coordinate, you know, these this new course. Yeah. And the people are just gonna do it. Well unless I, unless the captain then calls up and says the XO is being insubordinate, you know, to belay his orders. You know, yeah. then it would be different. Yeah. I'm and this is one and this 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 may not be a flaw, but um and I, I'm not questioning that they would obey the XO's orders. It just in and and she may have come up and said, I have new orders from the captain, we're going here. Yep. In exactly. which case it would take care of the concern. But we didn't see that. And yeah. and and there's a tendency on the part of the viewer to assume that the characters in the story know what we, the viewer, know. Mm-hmm. And since they showed us the captain vigorously opposing this course of action, literally a course, um, <laughs> the um, there's going to be a tendency to ask, well, why didn't the bridge crew question Seven when she when she made this new directive and wouldn't they at least have checked with the captain to see if it's what he wanted? Yeah. I think, I mean, unless they have reason to believe seven is doing yeah. something untoward, you know, waking the captain to ask him if the, if the first officer's uh, new orders are correct, would po- could possibly a bad career move. <laughs> well, it could be, but if they, if they know that the captain's asleep, then they, that would also be suspicious. How did you get these orders from the captain if he's asleep? Well, there could be all kinds well, of reasons for that. I, I know, XO, but, but it's just reasons for asking yeah. questions. Yeah. I, 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 
let's let's put it this way he gave her the con she has commanded the ship yeah. at least as far as where the ship goes how fast the ship gets there etc cetera, etc cetera. so the crew would have had no again unless it was something that was clearly i want you to fly through the neutral zone yeah okay we need to get proof from the captain on this first you know this needs to come from the captain not from the the exo as far as we need to change course instead of going left now we need to go right that's I, within the Exo's prerogative as the con. I, so I, 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 agree. I understand your concern, I, but yeah. I, I think they did not. The crew did not see the argument in the mess hall. I agree. Too, so, but my point is, at least partly from a writing perspective, mm-hmm. the way they showed it to us is going to raise questions in the viewer's mind that they did not address. Sure. Yeah. As it, someone who's not familiar with how a military chain of command would work, you'd say, well, you know, why didn't the helmsman check with the captain? That that raises the question. Yep. But that's that's been a complaint. That could be a complaint. Star Trek all the way back to TOS. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they've changed course on anybody's orders at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, Random instance says go that way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. But it's a good point. It's a good point. Like the you know, and we could have had a scene of Sydney, you know, kind of questioning and being told mind your helm and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice, like one thing we forgot. The Shaw says to. Uh, to uh, seven in the dining room was, you know, when she tried to kind of stand up for Riker and Picard, he's like, your loyalty should be to the ship, not to ex shipmates and an ex Borg, which man, that, that is about the the harshest one. Yeah. Uh, But on both of them. Um, So, uh, so they, they get, um, they get there, they board Crusher's ship and they find her in this um, hibernation pod. Which she's been placed inside. They find her son Jack, and then the big old Ry- ship. Riker sucker punches Jack. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah. And then, reminiscent of the Star Trek Nemesis, the uh, big alien ship comes out of the nebula cloud at them. I just thought there was like a very similar, and I don't know if it's intentional, similar feel to it as that that ship from from Nemesis. So it also yeah. looks like a Vorlon ship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. Um, and then we met, and that's where we, you know, cl- big cliffhanger, uh, or so, mm-hmm. and uh, or at least big ship. And then we have the end credits where we talked about there was a lot of these clues to the season in there, things like references to a holodeck, uh, the fleet museum, the DNA analysis. I didn't catch everything, I didn't go through with a fine tooth comb, but I'm sure there's more. There are um, videos on YouTube of people dissecting that sequence. Yes, yes, go go find those. Oh. Um, those will be interesting. Uh, there, there's, there's actually a lot about the Borg in the closing sequence, including the closing music, which was from First Contact. Yeah, it was the opening music for First Contact. Uh, but there's, for example, I went through some of it. Um, there's a damage report for the USS Constance lost in action, forty four zero zero two point three, which was the Battle of Wolf three five nine. Okay. Um, there were. Uh, what else did I see there that there was mentioning? I, I I wrote on just a couple of things, but there's there's stuff about the Borg in this, so the Borg's probably going to play a, l- a little bit of a role. Um, of course, you know, again, we get the reference to the Borg there, but then we see like the Fleet Museum with Voyager, the USS Voyager is there, the original Voyager, yeah, the Pioneer, which is the NCC fifteen hundred. I don't know if that's a ship. It's that... from a game, Star Trek Online, actually. Okay, yeah, they... okay, which is interesting, and. Yeah, I've only played very little Star Trek Online, so I never saw that. Yeah. But Enterprise A is there, and then the NCC 2000 Excelsior is there. Right, the Excelsior. Is what they show. Captain Styles again. So, <laughs> yep. Um, cool. 
I do want to mention, I really love the music in this episode and I, I'm hoping mm-hmm. that we get a lot more of that this season. Cause it really, it did feel like a throwback to the TNG series and movies. And I, I really, I really like the music. So yeah. any other uh, notes on this episode, Father Corey? So uh, the, when, uh, at the beginning, when, when, when Beverly shoots that conduit that causes the gas to come down, we find out later that it's DeLorean gas as in the DeLorean, as in back to the future. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I wonder if that was a little bit of a head, you know, a little nod to back to the future there. Right. Uh, That's the only thing I got. Jimmy, anything else? So the name of uh, Beverly's ship is the Elios 12, or Mm -hmm. I think that's the number. Um, Elios is the Greek word for pity, compassion, or mercy. So Hmm. for a former doctor, appropriate ship name. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Nice. All right. We did say we had some listener feedback, so I want to get to that now. We've uh, kind of piled up a bit. And uh, our first feedback comes from episode 245, uh, which was on the Voyager episode Jitrell. Kyle Cullen on YouTube wrote, Janeway is not a war criminal. That's ludicrous. If I was jumbled with someone else, I would still feel resolute about my right to live. I was born first. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's a reference to, as we mentioned, Tuvix. to the Tuvix episode. Where we had, mm-hmm. I think we talked about how um, Tuvok and Neelix got mixed together in that episode. And what Janeway did might have been a human right violation. Well, um, yeah, it was. I mean, she yeah. murdered Tuvix. Um, right. Yeah. In terms of the war criminal thing, now I know that I barely remember Jatrell. I remember there is like a war criminal from a war that Neelix's people fought in, and that's kind of the crux of the issue. Is is this is war criminality? Um, but I don't remember. I don't remember it well enough to be able to comment on on the idea of Janeway being a war criminal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. The whole idea of two people being jumbled together and pulled apart, it's hard to, to, to come up with a, whether that is right or not or that sort of thing. Um, what, once but, you have a new person, you cannot kill them to get two new to get two people back. OK. Right. OK. Um, then on our episode 238 on the Prodigy episode Preludes, which was where we got all the stories mm-hmm. of how the kids got together, uh, what happened to them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, user Truly Awesome New Mexico Catholic on YouTube. Right. That's a good name. Hey, guys, thanks for the episode. I've always liked Jimmy's books, but just came across this now. I really like Prodigy because I love Star Trek, but I have little ones, so it's great. Anyway, I'm glad you pointed out that this episode had many writers. I didn't catch that, but it makes sense. I didn't like that this episode seemed like a backstory dump. They should have spread these over several episodes. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank cool. You. Glad you glad you enjoyed the show. Yeah. Um, as yeah, far our as our show, at least. Yes. Um, spreading out the the stories uh, that could have been okay, uh, but I think they had a point to to having them all in one. So um, it's a, well, and it, yeah, you're also talking about a format that's 25 minutes long. Oh, yeah. no, a minute and a half, 20, as, less than 21 minutes long. Once you I was going to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Including a minute and a half of, of opening <laughs> yeah, sequence. It's a so really long opening. <laughs> the, 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 the full episodes counting credits and opening sequence is 25 minutes long. So they don't really wouldn't have time, I think, kind of throughout to build up to these flashbacks. Right. The way you can in more of a 40 minute, 45 minute long episode. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, then on episode 247, uh, the TNG story Data Lore, James Williams writes on YouTube, 
The actor who played Data, Brent Spiner, did a really good job doing the different characters, but the performance mm-hmm. is so seamless that people might overlook it. But hey, you've got one guy doing two completely different characters and doing it flawlessly. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was, you know, a good job of doing the, the two and keeping them separate. Yep. And then um, truly awesome New Mexico Catholic comes back to comment on this one. Says, thanks for this episode. So Data Lore may not be a great episode, but Jimmy is wrong. Lore is an awesome character. I think he was just scarred by seeing this bad episode. Brent Spiner is just a really good actor and good actors are what carried TNG until the writing gets good. Well, um, I don't have a problem with Laura as a character. So, you know, I don't mind Data having an evil brother. That's fine. Um, but I don't like the way Laura is portrayed in this episode. I think it's it's a bad episode. And I all Laura only appears in in um, four episodes. He appears in this. Mm-hmm. He appears in Brothers and he appears in Descent Parts 1 and 2. And I don't like Descent Parts 1 and 2 either. I think they're Mm. substandard. Um, The best of the four is Brothers, where where Lore has a relatively small part. That's the one, in case people may not remember it, where Data activates and seizes control of the Enterprise and goes and finds the still-living Dr. Noonien Sung. Right. Who sent an, a code and it's where Sung introduces the idea of giving data an emotion ship. But Sung didn't realize that lore had been put back together. And so lore has also activated and come to find Sung and he impersonates data and steals the emotion ship. And lore is by far the best written there. If that's the way lore was all the time, I would have no problem with lore. But mm-hmm. in these other contexts, it, and I know why Brent Spiner would enjoy playing him because he gets to ham it up. But it's yep. I, I I think the writing is substandard in these other episodes. Right, right. All right. So that's all of our uh, feedback this time. We love to get your feedback. So please send it in. Uh, now we want to take a moment to thank our patrons and make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Rebecca C, Alphonse L, Donald F, Tom E. And Kevin B, their generous tax-deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you thought of The Next Generation. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Media. Send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you can watch the Secrets of Star Trek in video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media, where you should comment, like, and subscribe. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next new episode of Picard called Disengage. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Star Trek. Thanks, Tom. But now can we get Galaxy Quest the next generation? <laughs> and Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Uh, thank you. Live long and prosper. And I I, I, I think I hear my 30-year-old cell phone ringing. <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, a point comes in a man's life when he looks to the past to define himself, not just his future. <laughs>